We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, before we get started today, I wanted to let you know that our presenting sponsor is Circle Rock Menswear. If you are looking to add to your winter closet for 2020, I'd love it if you checked out what Circle Rock has to offer at circlerock.com. You can use the code ZONE25 today and receive a $25 gift card good for your next Circle Rock purchase. Now onto the show with Dave Benz. The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by ZoneCoverage.com and the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. It's January 2nd, and I am joined here in studio today by the play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves, Dave Benz. How are you? Happy New Year. Yeah. I'm good. I'm, uh, you know, just kind of still... Uh, both disappointed and excited about what happened last night in Milwaukee. I, you know, I would have liked to have seen the Timberwolves get a win, but I was really impressed by the effort. So, um, I, I, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm torn. It's, am I excited about how great they played or disappointed that they you know, lost a close game? Well, I, I think about it with the last time you and I talked, not on the podcast, but just talked together was after the Cleveland game. And it was just brutal. That was a brutal game. Exactly. And it, it, it how that had kind of followed up the the previous few weeks, it was I mean, we were talking like that this might be this might be an extended rough stretch on top of what had already been a previously a rough stretch. And then they uh they they beat the Brooklyn Nets very shorthanded. And then this game against Milwaukee. I, I don't know if the the Wolves were eighteen point underdogs in that game. Has there been a bigger spread all year? I can't imagine. There's been a team that was more favored than Milwaukee was last night. And the Wolves were the Wolves were winning. The first quarter, they looked like the you know the better team. They were winning and only went down one at halftime and ended up down two. Well, and the you, game was over. I, I mean, there's so many things I've been replaying in my mind about that <laughs> game too. I mean, the, the Wolves had a look. I don't know what was Keelan Martin. Somebody got off a decent look at, at a three at the end of the second quarter, going into at the locker room and in, it, in the corner. Had that gone down, yep. and you know some missed free throws, and uh, there was a blatant, I thought, lane violation by Chris Middleton that that led to a defensive rebound. Yeah, on what a was that? Throw. I saw you tweet about that. I don't, I don't remember that. When it was, it was, it was in the second half. I don't remember if it was late third or early fourth but um i think it was Giannis at the line and middleton he jumped in the lane and got around uh kato bates d up and got the rebound off the missed free throw kicked it out ran to the corner got fed back the basketball and hit a three and it was you know i mean i thought that that was you know that was unfortunate um, you know, they, they, there were just a lot of things you can look back at, you know, Ryan Saunders, a, and, and listen, I'm not ever going to fault Ryan. I think Ryan is, you know, doing a, a fantastic job with, you know, all the injuries and everything. 
um, and having to play these young guys and getting a lot out of them. And he followed his gut, but you know, you, you would have liked to have had that time out back on that lost challenge that would have helped mm-hmm. you at the end of the game. But a, a, again, you know what? There's, I, I guess, you know, I, I said, do I feel you know, more disappointed or more excited. I, I really probably, I feel more excited to, to know that they, they went into Milwaukee, the best team in the league record wise, a team that is absolutely loaded top to bottom. They have so much depth sure. and, um, you know, shorthanded, they played as well as they did. I, I, there's a lot of positives to take out of that. I think, uh, the, the sense I get of the, you know, the, the fan base and the expectations they have are not necessarily, you know, making the playoffs or, you know, winning a, a ton of games. It's, it's consistently showing fight and and competing in a game like this and understanding that yeah, Milwaukee's the more talented team is probably going to win it. But to go in and and play 48 minutes is very different than I think what like the sentiment that surrounded so many of those 11 losses were. Where I mean, a- Andrew kept saying that game after game, he's like, the other team brought more energy than we did. The other team brought more energy than we did. I think we're finally seeing that the Wolves are matching or bringing more energy than the opponent these past couple of games. And I think that improves the quality of the product for, you know, the consumer. Well, and I like, you know, Gorgie, who's the most veteran presence in that locker room. You know, he's been vocal about it the last couple of games afterwards saying, yeah. hey, when, you know, we get Towns and, and Wiggins back, the, the energy needs to stay the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be the challenge for this team when they get Towns and Wiggins back. And, you know, when that will be, I don't know. There's been really no definitive update on Cat other than the fact that you can see him now being on the floor pregame doing some warm-ups. So that's a positive trend and i mean we see him walking around the he doesn't look he's not walking with any sort of limp or anything like that when you see him around the hallways whereas like that first week afterwards he was like stiff-legged yeah you know couldn't yeah couldn't yeah he's they're just listen they're they're being cautious he's you know he's he's the the key figure in the whole thing so you know you you need to play it with with some caution and i'm sure nobody wants to be out there more than he does yeah it's just uh, the the nba has a in my opinion has a, a serious Problem. Well, I think from the fan side, it has a serious problem with uh, like required transparency, you know, from from fan bases. Like we, we've seen continually, not just with the Timberwolves, but a lot of franchises, they just list players as questionable over day, and over day again. to day, day to day. You know, and it's. Um, I mean, I guess I, I don't know if it's disingenuous or not, but it, everyone does it, and it's to I guess keep the opponent guessing. Of you know, you're at a you're at a big advantage if they have to start planning for Towns playing and planning for him not playing. You know, it, it impacts the, you know, the, the competition there. But it, I think it is for fans when you start day-to-day on December 14th and now it's January 2nd. And I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's still day-to-day. I get it 100%. And, you know, it's... It, it you know as, as someone who's trying to prepare for a game and you're trying to do your sure. prep work it's it's nice to be able to know this guy's in or this guy's out so that I don't have to you know spend my time prepping on somebody that's not going to play mm-hmm. um but it's one of those frustrations in life that you know you, it's kind of like you know if you're working a 9 to 5 job and you get up in the morning and you get on the road at 8 8 a.m. that you're going to have rush hour traffic. You can sit there and be frustrated about it, but it's it's reality. So no, it's true. you know it's just kind of the way it is. No, that yeah, and I, it's it's not going to be an indefinite thing. And I see some people start saying Robert, like referencing Robert Covington last year, and that's a whole different level of injury and problem that was was happening last year. So you know, Cat will be back at, at some point, and I would assume Andrew is just a an illness, so he'll he'll be back too. <laughs> and, and and I have no intel at all. Um, and in fact, you know, probably isn't even really going to matter because how many people are going to listen to this podcast before we play the game tonight? I don't know uh, how quickly people listen. You know, I'm always surprised by like by how how like quickly. People will be like, "Oh, really? Really good pod today." I'll be like, "They put this out like two hours ago." <laughs> I'm like, wow. Okay. Well, that's good. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I don't. I have no intel whatsoever. Yeah. But you know, I'm hopeful that uh, Andrew will play tonight. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't make the trip to Milwaukee, and he's sick, and he's had two. You know, so he didn't have to travel on the travel day. Didn't didn't play in the game in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hopeful that. You know, he got two more solid days of rest and that he's going to feel better today and that uh, we'll see Andrew back on the court tonight. But again, I have no intel on that at all. Well, Ryan said that, you know, it's been a kind of a constant 
conversation between him and the medical staff about there's a, a, a clearly a virus going through the team. Yeah. And it's, it's spreading. I mean, Trevion Graham's was the past two games as well. Um, who else has been sick? Shabazz has been sick. Shabazz was sick. Teague was sick, I believe. I'm, you know, who, I, 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 you know, and as somebody who is on the plane with these guys, <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm, I, I'm trying to the best I can to hold my breath when I'm walking past any of them because I, I don't, I don't, you know, it, once you're on that plane, once it gets on the plane, it spreads, and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of life in the NBA. We're all in the, we're on the tube. Right. No, the, there's a lot of shared time together with all of them, but they. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think surprisingly they've been they've been fun to watch without without Andrew and without Carl. And I think that's because we've got to see more of other guys that were in much smaller roles than uh, than they were previously. And you, you referenced Gorgie, you know, pushing the stars to kind of bring that energy when they, they come back. And I, I mean, the read I have on it is not that like Carl and Andrew weren't bringing energy or playing hard. I just think it's when when their offense is so predicated on Andrew and Carl, I think it's hard to like inspire the other three guys around them. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So it's like they got to find the way to like have the energy permeate all five players. And that that's uh, that is on Cat and Andrew to like be leaders, get the other guys going, like n- no like find ways to yeah, just get them inspired to to play with them and that's that's what I think they need to see when they come back. Well, and you know, when Andrew hit that stretch and Andrew's had a really good season, I, and you know, I'm, it's not like he's, his numbers have completely fallen off or anything, but when Andrew was in that stretch where it was like, Whoa, mm-hmm. he was really setting up teammates. His, his sister yeah. rate was as, as high as it had ever been. And that's kind of gone down a little bit now. So, you know, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I'm not faulting cat or Wiggins for not bringing energy. Um, but I do think that there is some, there's something to be said for that yeah. when, they are the primary focus of what you're going to be doing that the other guys can kind of get lost in the shuffle and then their energy ebbs as a result of that. And you got to find a way to, to avoid that happening. Jared Culver, probably the best example of that. I mean, these, these past two games where there's been no Andrew and no Carl is I mean, pretty clearly to me, his best two games of the season. Um, and the best being last night against Milwaukee, we could talk about the, the dunk was obviously a, a huge play there, but I think we're talking about two games where Jarrett is looking comfortable, showing confidence. I mean, right away, early in the Brooklyn game, I think he hit two threes maybe in the first quarter and, you know, was with a bigger kind of bandwidth, able to work and and build confidence to a point where he is confident enough to go up over Robin Lopez and and make that play. And that's that's what you need is that energy from him to kind of inspire. I keep saying inspire, like, but get get everyone kind of on that same level of like, this is all of our team, not just Carl and Andrews. Yeah. And I thought it was, you know, kind of a key point last night in the post game when, when Ryan was asked about the technical that Jared picked up and he said, I love it. I love it. And you know, Ryan is, Ryan is trying to get these guys to play with energy and to play with emotion. And, and Jarrett has, you know, been a little bit slow to do that. And he is starting to show it a little bit now. And, you know, Granted, from a from a helicopter view, you'd like not to pick up a tech, technical and not to give them a point. But at the same time, when you've been pushing these guys to bring energy and bring emotion and they finally do it, yeah. you know, Ryan does not want to stunt that in any way. So it's great to see him. Particularly do that. with Jarrett, man, right? Yeah. Like it's just he's he's a he's a quiet dude. Like in in just kind of, at least as I understand well, like it, you, yeah you've told me every time you've interviewed him he's giving you like seven word answers yeah so. and it's not, not like disrespectful seven word answer you know like sometimes guys are just short because they don't like the media it's like Jared is just nervous and, and shy and 20 years old right right and so I think for us it, it's it's been hard to even get to you know get to know him and then to to see him get a dunk like that and say, I'm like that in, in Robin Lopez's face. You're like, Oh, I didn't know that was, you know, that was in there. Right. He has had a couple of, he's had a couple of dunks though, but that was the first one I remember where he actually like threw it down on somebody. Yeah. That was impressive. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's been a weird, it's been a weird experience with Jared because I, I think all year he's, he's brought things like he's, he's been able to, particularly when he's going to the right, I feel like he's able to attack the rim and and he he's done that all year and then defensively we've seen a progression too but 
there's also then been the, the the bad things have been so bad where he struggled so much at the free throw line, really seemed to have lose, lost a lot of confidence in his shot. So, you know, it's been both where you where you've been kind of excited about some of the things you've seen, but then you're like, oh man, if this if this jumper doesn't come back, you know, what 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 does this all add up to? And and I, I thought it was big to see him be able to get going without really needing to have the three point shot or without really needing to get to the free throw line. In the Brooklyn game, I mean, he was working a little bit more from the mid-range. And that's what he did at Texas Tech. We all know, you know, faux pas to shoot mid-range jump shots, whatever. But, like, again, when you're talking about building confidence, sometimes you got you to gotta hit those shots first before you're able to kind of expand your range or, or do more things. So he just, to me, seems like he's doing more things he's comfortable with. Well, these yeah, yeah, like you said, in the energy, I mean, you know, he's been getting steals, he's been getting blocks, he's been getting deflections, he's, yeah. you know, getting rebounds. So he rebounds his position very well. And, you know, that's a that's a big plus. And look, uh, he's too good of a shooter for that, for it not to kind of, you know, for him to break out of it. Maybe it's not going to happen this year. Maybe it's going to take a full summer, you know, uh, of an off season and, you know, working with a shooting coach, whatever. But um, you feel like that that will come. The, 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 uh, he shows flashes mm-hmm. of being able to be a guy who was worthy of the sixth pick in the draft and worthy of the cost that it took to move up to get the sixth pick. Does he show it consistently? No, but as you said, he's 20 years old. I Mm -hmm. mean, it's, you know, uh, I think there's a lot to like about where his career arc could, could possibly head. And I think it's important to apply context to like what the other rookies are doing to, or what other rookies, you know, consistently do. It's easy to like, you know, look at what somebody like Trey Young did last right. year. Who was Luka, the fifth everybody wants Luka Doncic. It's like, you no. know what? That's not going to happen. But but look at, I mean, I don't know. A, a Tim Rose fan probably isn't watching a lot of the Cavs this year. But, I mean, Darius Garland has been, who was the pick before, right. has been just as underwhelming as as Jarrett has been, you know, this year too because it's, it's uneven, you know. Actually, Garland, I thought, played really well against – the Wolves, but he's kind of like a one in every six games. He'll show you something. And that's just, I think that's just life as a rookie, particularly as a guard, you know, when, when you're dealing with bigger, stronger, faster, longer guys out contesting your shot, it's, it's harder to like, to create that space and to be able to, to get around them. I mean, the transition historically for a point guard is, is large. And I know Jarrett's like listed at six, seven, but he's, I mean, he's just as much of a point guard as he is a shooting guard. I mean, right. he's a combo. He's well, a combo. And, and they had him running the point a little bit last night. And, you know, he's good when the ball's in his hands. And he's, he looks comfortable with Clearly the ball in his hands. Clearly more comfortable. Clearly. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that, you know, we see more of as the season progresses. I think I think they got to. It's If Jarrett makes some ascension, you know, and we're, we're talking about a— a really good player two, three years from now, I, I think he looks like somebody who maybe he's not like the point guard out there. He's he's sharing the floor with another like Shabazz Napier type guy. But you think of him more like I, I don't I don't want to say James Harden, but like you know how a lot of times it's 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 a combo action where he's he's exchanging back and forth with a Russell Westbrook or Chris Paul previously, where a lot of the time he's initiating the the offense. I think that's if Jarrett is good, well, that's you know, what it's going to look like. I look like. at a guy like Bradley Beal. You know, Bradley came in. That's Bra- he came in as, you know, your prototypical shooting guard, and mm-hmm. he's kind of been forced to become more of a combo guard. And, he, you know, look at where he is now. He's yeah. really excelled in that role. No, I absolutely. And, and Karis LeVert's always one I've kind of pointed to with with Culver and, and just mostly because the Wolves system is, you know, Pablo Prigioni, similar to to Brooklyn. So, I don't know. I, I, think, I think we'll see more progression from him on the offensive end. But – Defensively, he's that has been, I think, a linear progression for him. And and in these last few games, not just Jarrett, but the the Wolves have been playing so much better defensively. They, they, uh, it, what are they? Third or fourth in defensive rating in the last seven games? It's, third, third since Cat went out. Yeah, third since Cat went out. So you know, it's um, that's that's something you but but. The other side of that is is their offensive rating. I think is like twenty eighth or 29th, Yeah. It's it's funny. I, I was I was looking at that, and so their their defensive rating is one hundred one point four, which is right between. If you look at like season long defensive ratings, it's right between the Bucks and Raptors, who are the top two mm-hmm. defensive teams in the league. And then if you look at their offensive rating, 
it's right between, um, I think it's the, the high of it somewhere. It's they're right between the 29th and the 30th team. So without cat now they've, they're playing at like a Cleveland Cavaliers level of offense. I've been playing like a Toronto Raptors bucks level defense. And it's only eight games, you know, and it hasn't been great opponents, but, um, I think that, Inspires confidence well, I mean, and, yeah, and concern. You're, you're right. It hasn't consistently been great opponents, but the fact that's that they games. did it again last night. That's big. You know, against the Bucks team that the, the Bucks have, the Bucks scored 104 points. And the Bucks have now, with last night's game, they haven't been held under 160 straight games. So it's like really? the fact oh. that they were even close to pulling that off, that was, that was impressive. Yeah. I mean, I, I th- thought they did a great job on Giannis. I think Giannis ends with like 34, I think 34, but the, the first half particularly, like I thought kind of the turning point was when Jane got into foul trouble in the third, I think is when Giannis started kind of going off, but they just kind of told G to wall up and, you know, be in his way. And I thought the guards did a good job of like, you know, stunting down on to like help there. And I mean, very, very few teams, <laughs> like it's 34, but I would say that was one of the of, of the Bucks games I've watched this year, one of the best defensive performances against him I've seen of any of any team this year, which is wild considering how many guys are out. And in spite of that, he still put up MVP, MVP type numbers. Uh, he's he's, well, he's just, just he's, ridiculous. He's, yeah, he, he is ridiculous. But you know, and I thought Jim Pete brought up a great point last night. You know, I mean, and you can kind of you know uh, apply this to Culver, uh, although Culver was a higher pick than Giannis, but you know. Giannis really wasn't anything of note his first year. Even his second year, he wasn't, he was good. He got better, but he wasn't great. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think people looked at him and saw the potential and saw that, hey, with his wingspan and, uh, you know, with his drive and, you know, he, his athletic ability that he's got potential to be really, really good, if not great. Um, so I think that you can apply that same thing to Jared. It doesn't happen instantaneously. So you just kind of you just want to see progress. I think we're seeing progress. I, I thought it was wild at the end of the game to watch the Wolves be legitimately concerned about him shooting threes because he's making them. Yeah, I mean well, Gian, Giannis is is make like you have to. It's ba- it's now gotten to the point where it's it's a bad idea to let Giannis take a, a wide especially, open. Especially especially away. I think he's like thirty six or thirty seven percent from straight away. Talking about that last night. So you know, I mean, that's 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 at or a little bit above league average. So you know, and and he's only. I mean, he's last year he was like twenty five percent. He's thirty two percent this year. I mean, that's a pretty big jump. It's three or seven last night. Yeah, it's just. I I don't know. I mean, big Timberwolves, whoever. I, I don't. If you have to aggressively defend him on the three-point line, I think it's it's over. It's game over. I mean, I don't know how you, I don't know how you stop. The him. only thing, yeah, the only thing I'll say about the Bucks, like, and I do think they're an incredibly deep team. And Chris Middleton is a really really good you're player. About to, you're about to rip on the Bucks. Here. No, I'm gonna I'm not gonna rip on them, but I'm gonna say that if I, I, I you know, I, I'll be curious. Let's just say that I'll be curious to see how things shake out in the playoffs because. Um, there, you know, clearly Giannis is, is going to be the best player on the floor, mm-hmm. but you know, if they match up with a team like Philly in the playoffs again, you know, okay, Giannis is the best player on the floor, but then Philly has the next three best players, you know? So it's like the, and, and not to say that Milwaukee's not deep and that they're not talented and they certainly are, but you know, I, I think that that, that just is curious to me to see how that plays out. No. And it's, I mean, but what does make them good is is that strength and numbers thing or whatever? Well, I mean, they're they're clearly a very like connected group, and and I think like in that connection, Brooke Lopez is like a star player. Eric Bledsoe can be a star player. I mean, I don't Chris, caveats Chris about Metal, Chris, Chris Middleton. Middleton. Yeah, like it, and then you go down, but and, and it is ridiculous. You go down and then their bench. They got George Hill and they got Kyle Korver <laughs> coming off the bench and they got Wes Matthews and it's like you know mm-hmm. and and Dante Divincenzo is now starting for them. He's he's a really good gritty player for them. So they are loaded. And, you know, I just, I'm not saying that they won't come out of the East or can't come out of the East. And I think probably if I had to pick, I would probably pick them to come out of the East. I'm just saying it's going to be interesting because, you know, uh, like I said, they'll have the best player on the floor, no matter who they match up against. But, you know, other teams may have you know, two, three, and four, they may have the better players. It, it's so interesting for me from a Wolves perspective because 
I think the next great Timberwolves team, if that's going to come, is kind of roster-wise constructed like that. You know, the the whole, I mean, Milwaukee, Minnesota, where it's a where it's a smaller market. I mean, odds are the Wolves aren't going to get a, a second star at a level higher than like Chris Middleton next to Cat, you, you know? And... And I think like the the path they're going to need to take is is finding a group of players who are so bought into a system, who you know puzzle piece wise fit together in this way that that Milwaukee does. Because I mean, why Milwaukee is great is Giannis, but but their style of play, the players are so bought into on both sides of the floor, and and I think when we talk about that eleven game losing streak or just December for the Wolves. You you saw their play kind of questioning their system, you know, and and if this is going to work, whatever the system is, if it's this this five out thing, and you know it's cat getting everyone to react to that, and or defensively, whatever it is, they just need to be so bought into it because I don't think the talent level is it's going to be like that. If the Wolves are in a playoff series two three years from now, Western Conference Finals, it's going to be like that. We'll be like, well, cat might be the best player in this series. But the whoever then has two, three, and four. Right. And and that's always, that's where it gets tricky. You're like, oh, we like the team with the best player. But what about, you know, what about those, that second, those second tier guys? How does that work? So I always think about, I always think about Milwaukee when I, when I think about the, the future of this Wolves team. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it, it's an interesting equation, but then again, you know what? None of us know what's going to happen in two or three years because, you know, two years ago, sure. it's Jimmy Butler was on the Timberwolves, and, <laughs> you know, three years ago it was Zach Levine and Andrew Wiggins and uh, Carl Anthony Towns, and, you know. Uh, can I totally change the subject for a second? Because I just came from Warriors shoot-around, so um, yes. I'm just sitting here thinking we probably – um, should make a quick mention about David Stern. Absolutely. And, um, and I, I thought it was um, interesting. Steve Kerr had some great stuff to say. Yeah. I was kind of telling you before we started, but I didn't get into any of it. Um, uh, I, I asked Steve if he had, you know, he said, all, he said everything all the other coaches have been saying, which is obvious, you know, to how much David Stern meant to the league and, and how we're, uh, your podcast exists basically today because of what David Stern did. Absolutely. Um, you know, so uh, there's so much to be there's so much credit to be given to him and rightfully so and i had a chance to meet him on a couple of occasions he came and uh, sat courtside with jim and i uh and you know sat in on a second quarter during a game one of, during my i remember that. my second season i think yeah. um right before he stepped down so you know that that was cool but what was great what steve kerr said was um you know, I asked him, I said, did you have any personal interactions with him? And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, you know, I, I was in on uh, all the labor negotiations. I was on the player side and I went into the boardroom and I sat across the table from him in the boardroom. And he said, and let me tell you, he said, that guy, he was the Michael Jordan of the boardroom. Mm -hmm. He said, you got in there and you got your butt whipped every single time. And no matter how many players were in the room or no matter how good you felt about your, you know, side, he said, you walked out of the room with your tail between your legs every single time. And I said, and, I, and, and he said, you never felt good walking out of the room. And I said, well, did, I said, did you ever feel good going into the room? And he's like, no, he's <laughs> like, he, he said, he said, you know, players, when they knew they were going to play Michael Jordan, they never came to the arena feeling good about their night. They knew they were going to be in for it. And he said, we felt that way going into the boardroom. We knew we were going, going to deal with Michael Jordan. And huh. well, sure enough, we got our butts kicked every single time. That's awesome. It, Britt and I did a did a pod on Monday, and you know we were talking kind of about the other side of it of where the league is right now. You know, in ways, you know, struggling to find how to continue to engage fans more and more. It, you know, into the future as you know ratings are starting to to, to dip in some sort of ways, and th there's that side of it, and they that you always need to continue to be growing, but you also have to look at how much growth has come in the past 10, 20, 25 years since David Stern came over and where, I mean, the NBA was so far below as an entertainment product below, you know, football and baseball. And it was a, it was a second class sport. And, 
And I think, as I understand it, it required somebody like David Stern to be able to to know that this was an entertainment product and we need to find a way to make that grow. And that's what will develop more basketball fans. Well, and that's the other thing like the curse said, he said, despite the fact that the players were going in and getting their butts whipped, he still guided this league to become what it is. And, and, you know, the curse said, he said, you know, when, when he came into the league, you know, they basically had two coaches and one trainer and the players, and there was an $8 million salary cap. And, you know, you were flying commercial and, um, you know, shoot, the, the NBA finals were on tape delay. In fact, mm-hmm. I heard some buzz that I'm not going to say what team because um, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. But I, I did hear some buzz that there's one team out there that is considering as an homage to David Stern and to tape delay one of their broadcasts. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that'll actually happen or not. Uh, so I'm not going to say who it is, but I did hear um, from somebody I know that, that one of their teams is, is uh, that they're considering that uh, just to do it as a one-off, just as uh, you know, just, just as an homage. And, and that actually I'm sure that the fans of that team would probably initially hate it, <laughs> but, um, you know, it would be kind of, you know, it would certainly get around, get a lot of buzz for, you know, to, to air the game, you know, late at night and a tape delay. <laughs> Are you going to get uh, the Fox Sports North crew to do that? No. And so I will tell you that, that that team is not the Timberwolves. Okay. So it's one of the other 29 and I'll leave it at that. Uh, and I don't know. And, and that it may not even happen. So you may never hear about it again, but it's just, uh, you know, I kind of crazy that that existed. Well, it, and the other thing is, you know, I did a little, I, I did a little reading on him yesterday and, um, you know, he came in, he was an attorney and he came in as counsel. His first job with the NBA was to, to represent the NBA and their side of it when Oscar Robertson sued them over his contract because basically it was the start of free agency. And David Stern was able to arrange a settlement, but that created free agency in the NBA. Um, you know, and then he also was working aside on the side of Larry O'Brien um, as he got hired as the general counsel after that for the league. And he was working alongside Larry O'Brien when they instituted drug testing, when they instituted the salary cap. So that didn't happen on his watch as commissioner, but he had a role in that. And then he took over as commissioner in 1984 and. You know, and then, you know, Michael Jordan comes into the league and he, you know, gets it, gets a way to capitalize Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. And, um, you know, and, and he was the driving force between the, uh, behind the dream team. And just think about that move alone, what that did for basketball, because you hear players like Pau Gasol, who will tell you that, you know, they got inspired to play basketball because they watched the dream team and, and the impact that that had on international basketball. And now how many international players are in the league and the fact that it's a global sport and behind international, sure. The NFL is King in the United States domestically. And, and, you know, probably by still a, a, a rather wide margin, but globally, the NFL has nothing on the NBA. Yeah. The, you know, international soccer is the only league, the only sport that is bigger globally than the NBA. Um, you know, if, if um, you know, uh, I, I'm trying to think of who would be, you know, the, the most recognizable player in the NFL right now. I mean, you know, would, uh, and who is the most recognizable player in the NFL right now? Brady? You know, Tom, if Tom, Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, I mean, if Tom Brady or Lamar Jackson... Me, uh, probably Brady. If Tom Brady's walking down the street in China, does anybody recognize him? Oh. You know, I mean, but if Steph Curry's walking down the street in China, I'm thinking a lot of people are going to recognize him. Oh, that's true. So, you know, it is, it, and, and all of that is because of what David Stern did. It all goes back to David Stern. So, um, you know, just we're, we're, we were all fortunate that he was able to, you know, expand the, expand the game and get, to, get it to the place that it's in. You know, you know what's interesting is, so there's all these conversations about change going forward for the for the league, whether it be the in-season tournament and just some of the changes that Adam Silver is looking, you know, to potentially make. And I mean, I, I think for me, I look at a lot of them with like great skepticism. Um, but at the same time, there's so many moves that David Stern made over the past those his 25 years that you would also have questioned of, you know, why, why, why are they doing this? Why, why are we getting away from our bread and butter? Yada, yada, yada. And, and I don't know. I mean, maybe it'll prove to be that Stern was all knowing and and he figured it all out and this won't work for silver. But, but at the same time, it's like, 
Silver, like Stern, has all the research resources of staff and research and all of that to to say, you know, this is this is what we believe is best for the game, best for best for revenue, best for exposure, best for growing the product, which is something that is always going to be the goal. I think you know, listen, you evolve or die. You know, Mark Cuban talked to um, talked to our group. I don't remember because if it was at our NBA meetings or at our Fox meetings, cause we'll have preseason meetings in both. But a few years ago he came and met with one of our groups and he said, you know, the second somebody says, this is how we always do it. It's the, you've lost me. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't want to hear this is how we've always done it. You know, this is, I want to hear, you know, I want to constantly be looking at things. How do we evolve? How do we adapt? And, you know, there's always going to be purists who don't want to change things. But at the end of the day, you need to evolve or you're going to die. And I think Adam Silver has great vision in that way, too. And, you know, the only thing I'll say about the proposed changes um, for the league is I just I, you know, I'd like to see. And and I know some people probably hate this idea, but I'd rather see I don't want to see just, um, you know, seven and eight playing for for spots. I want to see I want to see the top seven teams get spots and then the other 16 teams playing a tournament for the eight seed a single elimination tournament in Vegas. And, <laughs> and, and no, no, that's a perfect spot to do it, yeah. you know? Um, you know, because I get it, you know, it's going to be some really bad teams in there and whatever. But at the same time, what about a team that, you know, had a bad year because they lost, you know, the Warriors, you know, they, they, they no Steph, no clay, but now, okay, well, they can go into the, they can go into a playing tournament as the eight seed or as the, you know, as the 14 seed in the West. And now Steph is healthy and Clay's been back for a couple of weeks. And now they go, they can go in and they can play their way into the playoffs. Like how exciting would that be? And now you got an eight seed and they're going to go play the one seed. I don't know. I just, but listen, it's, it's a step in the right direction. I think, I think it will add a lot of intrigue, uh, you know, to see. And as far as the mid season tournament, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with, you know, give it a try, you know, see, see what happens. I'm I'm okay with it if they if they figure it out to to, to be a way that isn't a ma- an immediate a massive departure from the 82 game season and how we know it. If you can if you can make a midseason tournament go that stays on the schedule where where those games just count for your 82 game regular season, you know, schedule. It's a, they're just the month. Those are, those are tournament games, but they, they still count for your win loss record for the year. That's like a a small shift, you know, that I could get behind to be a little bit different. And this game would be a tournament game and this, you know, this one wouldn't, but I I think you can hold, hold on to, I guess what I want, I want to see, hold on to the things that you like and, uh, and adjust and make adjustments from there. You know, don't, don't get rid of um, don't get rid of what uh, the good things that you have they have going, and I, I think it's it's possible for the pendulum to maybe swing too far, and then they're gonna have to swing it back, you know. So we'll see. But there's so much of this is guess and check, just like just like the review process this year is gonna be guess and check, and it'll probably be different next year. And there's there's a million there's a million things in that sort of way where they keep trying to evolve and. To avoid death, I guess. <laughs> my my only my only my biggest concern is just don't make those games national TV exclusives, <laughs> so that so that Jim and I can still broadcast them. That's my biggest personal concern. But no, I you know what we'll see. I mean, you know, there there were people who laughed at the three point line when it came in, and you know, look what it is now. So you've got to be able to be willing to make changes. Pivoting back to uh, tonight or the injury stuff, the the Wolves just released their injury report status report for today against you're Gold breaking State. news to me I haven't looked at it yet um so Trevion Graham Carl Anthony Towns Noah Vonley and Andrew Wiggins all who didn't play yesterday are all listed as questionable today which is different than Towns and Wiggins are both ruled out well in advance of that of that game so it's a step forward I think it's interesting that Jeff Teague is still listed as doubtful um with his knee injury, but the only player that's officially listed as out out is Jake Lehman. So I guess there's potential that all those guys come back tonight. Again, like I was saying before, questionable has often meant out for, for the wolves this year, but I think it's noteworthy that 
they're not listed as out as they were yesterday. Or even listed as doubtful. Or even listed as doubtful, yeah. So I don't know. It would just be wouldn't just be nice to have a two week run where this team is fourteen of the fifteen guys are healthy. Like it's been very it's been very hard for me, I'll say, to like able to write about the team and you know because you're kind of looking at the you're looking at trends oftentimes you know when you're writing of how these two players are pairing together or how they're you know how they're handling this defensively or offensively and it's been it's been such a blender of different lineup combination I mean it's like something where their, their most used lineup has only been like 160 minutes or something this year I mean that's just it's got to be last in the league from from a volume perspective and I don't know. It's just nice when there's a little bit more consistency there to to but, be able to extrapolate from. Uh, it. Well, sure, but you got to you got to play you got to play the cards you're dealt. I know. I'm not. I'm not blaming. Them. I'm just. I'm just thinking wishfully, and I don't think it's like that ridiculous of a hope to to want two weeks of health. I guess. I guess the good news is that you know none none of the injuries. Knock on wood. None of the injuries have been. You know, none of it, there hasn't been an injury where this guy's done for the year. Sure. You know, and so you, 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 there's still light at the end of the tunnel. There's still a lot of basketball to be played. You know, there's still, despite the fact that they have, you know, struggled to get wins, they are still very much alive for a playoff spot, which is crazy. But which people joke about, but at least that's the case. Yeah. Like at least it's a case. It's like, and, well, would you rather have it where the, the eight seed is actually like the, the A seeds five games over five hundred. Right. If that was like if the West was what we thought the West was going to be, this year would be like way more boring because at what are the Wolves on twelve and twenty one? Like at twelve and twenty one, you would be like, all right, put a fork in them. Like they're nine games under five hundred. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but there's no reason to like rule that out right, right. now. Right, and and you know, I mean, it, it, it might it might only take forty or forty one wins to get into the playoffs for the eight spot. Well, I mean, remember the, the East has been like in the past year. I mean, the, didn't the Pacers make it with like thirty seven wins? Like, yeah, I think when Teague was on the team, uh, uh, there were there were some bad uh, some bad teams getting in in the East. So <laughs> I, there might be. The eighth seed at least might be bad in the West. Somehow the Thunder are really good all of a sudden. So it seems like there's seven teams who are who are kind of in yeah, the Thunder 18 and 15. You know, do you know who the eighth seed right now is? Is it still Portland? No. Phoenix? It's the Spurs. The Spurs are up to the eighth seed. They are. They in their they're six and four in their last ten, one, two in a row. I mean, I I, I think it's gonna end up being the Blazers, but at the same time, it's like all it takes is any of them to get on a bad injury streak like the like the wolves have been on and you know they go on a, they maybe they don't lose 11 straight but they lose 8 out of 10 and now you know the thunder have dropped back into this bubble that the wolves are in like i don't know i i i i like that it doesn't feel like a massive disparity between the wolves and the playoffs and i'm of the mind where i think you know yeah it'd be nice to get the the higher pick but like there's value in making the playoffs. There's value in playing an 82-game competitive season. And I know what Gerson's feeling is on it is, like, if Cat's healthy, this team is way too good to tank. It's just going to be too good. Right, right. Well, and, and, and they'll win games when, when Cat is back. And, you know, you get Cat. Uh, so, like you said, it is frustrating not to have seen that. But, you know, maybe, uh, you know, we're in a new year. We're in uh, 2020. And they, <laughs> they played they played good last night. By the way, I mean, 2020, God, like, I, I mean, you know, I don't, I could still remember, <laughs> I could still remember 1999 going to 2000 and it seems like it Why was yesterday, it seems like it was yesterday and it's like, that was 20 years ago. God. Anyway. Flies. Yeah. It flies. Yeah. No, I mean, new decade just in general for, you know, for the Timberwolves. And I think that's, and it's kind of stupid to do the whole, oh, this decade thing. I mean, but it was a really bad decade for the Wolves. And to to find something new, to create a new identity, to continue to create a greater connection to this fan base, I think that's got to be that's got to be like objective number one. You know, I think for, for this organization, uh, yeah, I think that that's what Gerson is trying to do. And you know, mm-hmm. there's some growing pains going on with that, but. At the end of the day, they the, the one thing you can say about this organization right now is that they have a plan mm-hmm. and that they're sticking to it. 
So, you know, and, and despite the, despite the growing pains and, you know, the speed bumps along the way, you know, I feel good that, that the, that the path is a, is a good path. And, you know, you've, you've got to be able to stick to it if you want to be able to get to where you're trying to go. It's, it's hard not to like, if you, if you have conversations with, you know, people in the organization and well, just the fact Gerson came in and did a podcast with you. (laughs) I mean, seriously, like, you know, that would have never happened before. So, you know, it's, they want, I don't think Tibbs ever called me by name. (laughs) I doubt Tibbs even knew your name. (laughs) But you know, he probably would have spelled it the way they spelled it for Starbucks for you there. <laughs> D-A-I-N. I'm staring at it that across the every table. Time. That happens every time. I'm like, Dane. I, I, oftentimes I get, they write Dave. And I'm like, whatever. I don't care. This, I'll, I know what my drink is. But this literally literally happens every single time. Okay. Well. The, yeah, Tibbs made my coffee today. Yeah, Tibbs made your <laughs> coffee. But, you know, I mean, so there's, there's clearly there's a difference and it's a different direction. And it's just, you know, I think getting off to that seven and four and then 10 and eight start in some ways might've been, you know, I mean, of course we enjoyed it and it was great. And, um, you know, but it also at the same time, I think it altered expectations a little bit. Um, and I think at least externally, I think internally, everybody kind of, you know, knew that, you know, there's still going to be growing pains along the way. I think externally people were like, Whoa, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and internally, I think everybody was hoping that it could continue, but they knew that it was going to be, you know, that that it's a marathon, not a sprint. It was a weird, like conflation of things where the, you know, the wolves start, the wolves changed their system completely. And it looked like it was working. And you were like, Oh, well, this is all we needed to do all along was use cat different. And then he can be the superstar that we've always known he could be. And they're winning. They're three and oh, they're seven and four, they're 10 and eight. And the bottom of the West falls out and they're like, well, maybe it isn't going to be as much of a process anymore. That I mean, those were only natural, you know, conclusions to make. But then, as as it happens every year, injuries start coming in. You just start having a poor stretch, and and you hit, you know, you hit an eleven game losing streak like that. Not that eleven game losing streaks normal, but it it. I think they are, or they were struggling with that when the losing streak was going on. Of like, dang it, we. I don't know if we effectively conveyed that this is going to be a real process given given the roster that they have right now that they openly I mean Ryan is now to the point saying we're playing this style of play because it's going to be the best style of play for future teams. He says that. Which the other side of that coin is yeah, we don't have the this this probably isn't the right style of play for this roster. And that's just what it is. That that's what they believe in and there's there seems to be logic, you know, to that that process, and you know, good on them. But it's going going to then come with a month where you in December you shoot thirty percent from three, and it's painful, right? Well, uh, when your best player, your best three point shooter is out, you know, I mean, it, I didn't done the math since the last <laughs> couple of games, but it was you take Cat's numbers out, and the team was shooting below thirty percent. True shooting, they're under fifty, which is last in the league, like yeah, not, awful. Yeah, well. The exact same. Nowhere to go. Nowhere to go but up, through. Dane. Nowhere to go but up. That, that's true. Hey, and the, and the, you know the the defense has. But just to just to end that point, I think I think the Wolves are in an in interesting spot, um, as it pertains to like the the trade deadline being as they they want they are incentivized to get players who fit the system more than these ones, and and that. You know, that that could lead to a situation where, you know, you could be giving away a better player in exchange for someone who better fits this system, which I think increases the likelihood of, you know, of moves happening. And it's just weird because a lot of teams aren't in that situation, right? Like normally if you're making a move, you're like, oh, we're trying to make we're trying to make a move to get up into the playoffs, like that's not necessarily what the Wolves are doing, but they are incentivized to change the roster for like a, a future standpoint, which is which is different than most years. But I I would not rule out the Wolves being very very active. Oh I, well, Gerson has made no secret about that he will leave no stone unturned. So you know, and there are a couple of players that you know I think would be attractive to other people. I don't really want to get into all yeah, that because that. that's not my that's not my. You thing, get what but, I'm saying though, just like but yeah, existentially it. Absolutely. It makes sense to shake up this roster 
not even because the players on this team are necessarily doing bad. It's a style of players. Right. Well, and the other thing is, too, if, you know, uh, we, we know where this team is up against the cap. And, you know, if you can do something that will get you some flexibility, then mm-hmm. I think that that would be something that might be desirable, too. And it's I think they're going to largely have like a, you know, Sasha Gupta was in the, the Sixers organization and they were I mean, take out the tanking part of it. They were extremely, extremely active. There wasn't a trade deadline period, off-season period, where they didn't make a ton of moves. There was, by by creating a volume of moves, they moved the needle, was, was kind of their belief. What that Sixers team didn't do well and what Sashin had, had talked about was they didn't handle like the PR element of that well, where they where the perception of the fan base was, oh, they're just treating these guys as pawns and they're just, you know, moving them around the chessboard, you know, not treating them like a human. So I think that will be different while they'll kind of still have that same mentality of by making a lot of moves, we can improve the team. I think they'll be much more careful with the the human element of it. And that's, you know, it's, it's going to be different, but I also could see it being being similar, which leads me to believe that whether it's at this trade di- deadline, off seasons, the future. I mean, it's just the NBA. Teams are te- you just you brought up Jimmy Butler. You know, two years ago, even if you don't have Sasha Gupta in your front office, you're making teams are making a ton of moves constantly throughout the. Everybody is always trying to shuffle the deck to get the best hand. Exactly, and, and that's you know, and and I think as you said, I think that this Timberwolves front office, I think Gerson Rosas, I think that. You know they'll be aggressive. Uh, he's he's not. He certainly hasn't. You know hit that. And that in this David Stern NBA, that's you know that's the that's the world. You know it's you are incentivized. You know to to make moves. It's just kind of just kind of the way it works. So we'll see. Uh, Warriors tonight. Cavs again in Cleveland on Sunday. Memphis on Tuesday. I mean. <laughs> It's a light. It's a light there's run a, in the there, schedule. There, there are some possible wins on the table. Back at home against Portland, who's nothing special just, after just that. Lo- just lost to the Knicks. Got pounded by the Knicks. Well, so I might, might have had something to do with Carmelo thinking yeah. he was Carmelo. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. There's some winnable games. Maybe it's uh, and and you know you you just said the the injury report is starting to trend in a more positive direction. So and and just the vibe is too of you know the the effort that you were. You know. Like I said, it's 2020, baby. It's 2020. <laughs> it's it's a new world. All right, Dave, thank you uh, for doing this. You can hear Dave, obviously, on the call every uh, all 82 games. All, oh, well, yeah, all 82. Yeah, all 82, maybe the playoffs. Uh, and, and that would be nice. <laughs> uh, thank you again for doing this. Always appreciate you uh, coming in. And uh, I will be back on Monday, I think, with Charlie for, for the next pod. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Dane. Peace out. Never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.